Welcome to another awesome episode of the You Know Show. We are two geeks who talk about everything. My name is Aaron. I'm usually joined by my cousin Landon. Unfortunately, he can't be here this week, so I'm thrilled to welcome a new guest co-host. Everyone, please welcome my good friend, Mark. This is where we pause for applause. Oh, nice. Uh, you didn't say anything about needing to be referred to as a geek. I mean, I am a geek. Well, I mean, I would say I'm more of a nerd than a geek because I feel like geek geek has a level of intelligence to it. Oh, that... see, I always thought it was the other way around. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I thought nerds were like the guys with the calculators and the math degrees. Uh, geeks just kind of. Of course, there's, there's the geek squad over at Best Buy, and they know a lot about computers. I don't know. I guess it's like a it's whatever your cup of tea is. Would you prefer to be a nerd? No, but I well, I mean, I feel like the nerd does bring a sort of intellectual academic there you go uh, piece to it, and a geek could just be somebody that you know is overly expertised about something that the normal population would necessarily care about. Uh, Model trains, yeah, sports. Although I feel like that may be more mainstream. Uh, but but you awesome. do know a lot about sports. You could be a sports geek. I could, yeah. Remember yeah. that old? Uh, there was about the time we were in college. There was this old uh, game show called Beat the Geek. I don't know if you remember that one. It was on Comedy Central, I think. I don't. My version, my favorite version, of that probably would have been the one on ESPN about. Uh, I can't remember if it was Beat the the Swami. I don't think that was it. But there was a guy who knew all the stats. Uh, and I can't remember the name of the show or even what that guy's name was, what it was referred to, but he, the commercial for it. Um, was it the one with a little uh, thing that would run? The answer. Yeah. Yeah. The commercial featured the answer, which uh, I would just repeat sports stats as it was running away. Yeah. Yeah. Like he in the commercial, like he would, he would open a closet door and there it was. It would be all startled and it's running away, just <laughs> screaming facts. So I, I had a, I had a stuff. Yeah. Answer. You, you had an answer, right? I love that. Yeah. So yeah. Baby, baby, do you still wife, have it? No, my wife threw it away. Uh, yeah. And you're still married? She she doesn't remember getting rid of it, uh, but it's the only thing we can assume. Um, right. Like my mom doesn't remember getting rid of my Atari. I don't know why anybody would get rid of an Atari, by the way. Right. Yeah. It's one of but, those things that went to yard sale while I was away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, folks at home, I've known Mark since we were both juniors at Bluefield College, now Bluefield University. Uh, so that was more than 20 years ago. This is a long, yeah. long friendship, man. Uh, today, we're going to dive into Mark's life, his experiences, and get to know him just a little bit better. So, Mark, uh, I want to kick things off with your role as, I want to get this right, are you a financial planner or a financial advisor? Uh, I would tell you. Uh, my firm, uh, the language at our firm is financial advisor, but I would tell you by trade, I'm a financial planner. Uh, and for short, you could just say a CFP, right? So sort of like, you know, an accountant is a CPA if they, right. you know, pass their CPA board exams. So similarly in, in financial planning, right, there's the CFP, which stands for certified financial planner. Uh, that was how I transitioned into that world was by pursuing that. Uh, designation and, and passing those boards. So, uh, so I would tell you that I'm a financial planner. Long answer. Uh, well, no, that so that was that was just me getting your your title right. Uh, so this was a big change for you from where you began in your career. You were in higher education, um, kind of on the administrative side. Is that a correct assessment of you know those first years? 
Yeah, yeah, completely, completely accurate. So I spent 15 years in higher ed for yeah. this career transition. Yeah, so it was, so it was a big change, and and all on the administrative side. I like to tell folks it was in the two revenue offices, so uh, in enrollment management for nine years, and then six years in advancement fundraising. So that that is a big change. What led to that uh, decision to? Because you you went through a lot of work to to get where you are. Um, and moving from one career path to another. So what led to the, led to all that decision? Man, that's a, that's a deep question. Uh, so for me, it was uh, my last role in higher ed, I was uh, director of development. So director of fundraising for athletics at an institution here north of, of Richmond, uh, Randolph-Macon College, uh, super special place, particularly, you mentioned earlier, I'm a sports geek, right? So it was a dream, really was a dream. I loved it. Um, it's Division Three athletics. I think it's one of probably, God, I would tell you, one of the top 10 D3 athletic programs in the country. Um, it, it's that unique and special on the uh, on, on the sports side. But uh, my wife and I, so I got married a little later in life, as, as you know. Um, and uh, when we, me. <laughs> and when we had, so we've got two kiddos now. And when yeah. we had our first, as you can imagine with the athletics, right, there's a, a lot of nights, a lot of weekends. Um, and I just knew looking forward, I couldn't do that job the way I wanted to do that job. And we have the life that we wanted to have uh, with our kids and balance and and being there, even though um, Randolph-Macon would have been such a special place. It's a small community, much like where we went to school. So, like, you could have kids around uh, and people loved it. Uh, but so I just knew we wouldn't have Looking back, I, f- I felt like I would probably uh, have some regrets. And so that was when I love planning. Uh, I got hooked on it. I got hooked on the financial world. Uh, Jacob Woodrum, Woodrum, a mutual friend of ours, uh, gifted me a book some years ago called The Compound Effect. Um, and by the title, right, you can imagine it's about the impact of compounding and what that can mean for someone. And then the book well, I was focused on finances and that aspect of it. It was also just in your life, right? Like the compounding effect that it can have. Like, hey, if I do this one little thing consistently, like the massive impact that can have in, in a period of time. And so uh, that really got me hooked in, in that world. And so as I started thinking about what I wanted to do next, the passion that that connected me to higher education was the ability to be in a world where I felt like it was transformational for other people, right? Like I think for college, for me, it was a transformational time in my life. And I think that's the case for a lot of folks. And that, and that was what drew me to financial planning, like being able to see what the power of people being in control of their finances can do for their lives. It was the same thing. So the same thing that drew me to higher ed is what drew me to financial planning. And then I just sat down, like when I knew, okay, if I'm going to do something different, I'm going to do something I love, I think this is it. So then I, I tried to meet with as many different financial planners that I could and just sort of poured out my vision for what I had a love for. And I said, hey, how can I get to that? Because I didn't I didn't want to sell insurance. I didn't want to sell stuff. I wanted to do planning. And everybody said, hey, like, if you really want to do that, like, here's a step that you can do. You know, you can pursue your CFP and the hours, the money, the time that you're going to put into that will show somebody, one, that you can do it, and two, that you're serious about it because you're telling me that's what you want to do, but how do I know? You've never done it. You don't know. And, um, 
And so their advice was spot on. Uh, took me 18 months to get through that, that entire thing. Um, and then it, it, I really was able, I got connected with a firm here in Richmond to a mutual friend. And I was able to go in, start doing the type of work that I wanted to do. So, I mean, they were spot on it. That was a fantastic transition. Awesome. Um, statistically, most of our known listeners here are under the age of 18. Uh, and I say that because I know personally of three of our listeners who are probably under the age of 15. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know about the ones that I don't know about. Like maybe there's a handful of adults, but uh, what is one simple piece of financial advice you would give to a kid? Sure. Sure. Well, assuming that, that, okay. So they're under 18, but they're likely over 16. Maybe they may have some odd jobs or some part-time jobs that they're doing. I would say the one piece of advice that I that I can give, and I, and I have to, you know, as as a CFP in this world, I always have to put conditions on everything and say, hey, it it depends on your unique situation. Uh, but I would say um, start putting a little bit of money away now, uh, and the power of that. Uh, like I said, it's if you were to start putting money away for investing for investments, for retirement. If you started at age 25 and stopped at age 35, so that's one person. They started putting putting money away at 25. They did it consistently until age 35. They stopped at that point. And then someone started at 35, putting the same amount monthly away but did it for 30 years from age 35 to age 65. The person that did it from 25 to 35 and stopped would have more money than the person that did it from 35 to 65. So start early, be consistent. Uh, and then the secret, there's no secrets. Uh, one thing I'll tell you, go check out is Roth IRA and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. So, so really you're saying, get used to saving early on and continue that good habit from a, a young age. That's right. Basically. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I tell, I tell everybody, you know, I you read hundreds of stories of somebody that made a, a ton of money on a cryptocurrency or this hot stock or that hot stock, but 95% of people that have wealth made the right decisions, the small decisions for a long period of time and were consistent with it. Very good. All right, changing uh, changing lanes a little bit. Uh, thinking back to our our college days, uh, what were some of your favorite memories from Bluefield College? You were there for three of our years together. Uh, any crazy stories you uh, can share with our listeners? Not necessarily crazy stories. I mean, some of my favorite memories. You know, one of my memories with you, which I was going to share, obviously, is, is is you talked about that connection was, uh, you know, right because you were there earlier than I was. So like I arrived. You were, you were, I would say that you were a student leader, particularly in the areas where I wanted to be involved, like with campus ministries and things like that. And so I remember distinctly the first time hanging out in your room with you and your roommate, Dave Lau, and uh, you guys would always have people in hanging out. And then at whatever time, 10, 11 o'clock at night, you'd be like, all right, everybody's got to go. And you shut your door and be done for the evening. And I, I remember the first time 
you guys said that, and, but then you, you said, Hey, you can, you can stay in here if you want to. Uh, and so I, I knew I was in at that point. Uh, so I was in with cool guys. Um, you, you make it sound like I was cooler than I really was. Uh, that it was, it was just an open house hours thing, man. I mean, we had to get the girls out and, uh, you know, yeah. the cool guys could, could stay with us. I, I mean, I think I had a, a, an old Nintendo in, in our room and, I don't know. People would come by and play, and yeah. sometimes I don't know why. At that point, too, I had like um one of those Gizmo Furby things from like Gremlins, and people would mess with that. It really irritated me. I should have taken the batteries out because <laughs> that thing never went to sleep. Uh, well, uh, and you, one of the, one of the other members, you were not. I don't think you were with with me the the night that uh, there were a group of us that went over to prank. Um, someone in the girls' dorm, uh, some folks in the girls' dorm, and uh, we ended up breaking their window. Um, it's not part of that, but I remember the the story very well. Yeah, and we t- and we took off into the woods. Why I don't know. And so we stayed in the woods for quite a while, and then decided, well, we probably were going to have to. So to what you did point <laughs> tell somebody what we did so. Uh, it actually ended up being dirt cheap to replace the window, and we didn't get in any trouble because we sort of turned ourselves in. So I think maybe that cost us 20 bucks a piece, and that was the end of it. Yeah, that's that was one of those stories. I think um, I remember at, at one point the story involved uh, there was y'all thought a spotlight had found y'all in the woods, but it turned out it was like somebody turned on their high beams in a parking lot across the street or something. <laughs> We thought they'd sent out the chopper, the, the the chopper, the copter, uh, copter, chopper, chopper, chopper. I don't know why I can't. I was trying to come up with the with the term, a uh, slang for a helicopter. Um, you're, you're combining two things. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when I first got there, like if you walked around at night, campus safety would stop you and ask ask you for your ID. So I mean, you know, wasn't out of the my thought process to think they're probably going to put somebody up in the sky to find us, you know, with, with that kind of, kind of level of crackdown. Uh, For those at home watching this, uh, please keep in mind that Bluefield College, Bluefield University is about three feet in diameter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not a big campus. There's, there's how, how many students would you say there? Like, seriously, how many students there are on campus these days? These days, there wouldn't be a fair yet. I'm just not going to know enough to say. My assumption is there are probably 300, 300 to 350 students on campus today. My hunch is we were probably around 400 maybe on campus because I feel like campus was pretty vibrant. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think all the dorms were full when we were there. Now, there are more dorms now, but they're not all full. Um, so, but, but there, are, there are two new dorms there since their time there so it's two new dorms now yeah east river hall which is is a traditional style that one dorm. I, yeah that one i knew and then the town so they, built, they built town oh the, okay yeah i forgot about the town homes yeah that's right yeah um stone, maybe they're the blue stone they're waiting to put a name on them so uh if you're thinking about that six or seven figure uh, donation it could be could be the peck residential center uh i'll write the check tomorrow I'm going to post date it for like 50 years from now, but, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. 
Um, all right, shifting gears again a little bit. Uh, you grew up in Virginia's beautiful Botetourt County. Uh, how does that environment? What's that? Seedbed of the Republic. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, how did that environment shape who you are today? And do you have any favorite memories or quirky stories about growing up there? Yeah, all sorts of memories. Uh, so I grew up very, very rural. So Botetourt County, but the northern end of Botetourt County. Uh, in Eagle Rock, Virginia, but we did not live in Eagle Rock town proper. Um, so, and I know you had, a, had an outdoor adventure too near where I grew up, sure. uh, near Roaring Run. And so very rural. Uh, so many memories. Loved every bit of it. Um, as I look back now, so I'm, I live near Richmond, Virginia now. And uh, I traveled a lot for work prior to moving here. And so I would be in Richmond, I'd be in Northern Virginia, Tidewater. So like kind of the, the biggest population hubs in our state, right? And uh, I didn't think anything about pace of life, but uh, i tell you what, when I moved to Richmond, lived here permanently, the pace of life was a shock for me. Uh, so I, I would have probably uh, already passed away if I'd have moved to Northern Virginia because like people in Northern Virginia, Richmond feels too slow to them. Like I can barely barely do the transition to Richmond. So it's just such a, such a solar piece of life. Loved it. I loved it. Um, but, and as you know, uh, both my parents have passed. And so, right. Like my brother and his family are still there. So we go back a lot, a lot of memories and it was just a fun life. Um, pretty carefree, which, you know, probably wasn't the case then because you worry about everything, you know, do you have the right, you know, are you cool enough? You know, I was, I was kind of a Steve Urkel type through, I sort of channeled the Steve Urkelness through like fifth and sixth grade and middle school. You know, like I always wanted to pine after the most, most popular, most attractive girl. And so like, I didn't have a shot for that, but then I would just pine after her uh, in a, in a, like a really annoying Steve Urkel type of way. Um, you know, so there's lots of worries and all that, that crap, but yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And, and I think about how lucky I was now, like living here and, and just it's not nearly as relaxed and as laid back. And man, life's, life's too good. Life's too, too sweet to like be stressed and feeling old in different directions. So mm. yeah, probably pace of life. This is what I enjoy the most. Yeah. Uh, so talking about family a little bit, can you share the story of how you and your wife met? You mentioned her name, Peyton, a while ago. Yeah, yeah. So Peyton, um, like I originally, uh, this will be a long story, I'll try to make it short because it has a bit of a history to it. But um, so I actually first heard of Peyton years ago when I was in college. So before I came to Bluefield, I was at community college. Um, what used to be Dabney S. Lancaster Community College, now is Mountain Gateway Community College. And uh, we, so I was very involved in campus ministry. And we got plugged in at the BSU in Lexington with BMI and Washington Lee. And Peyton's oldest brother was at BMI and, and was involved in the campus ministry, campus ministry. So he and I got to know each other and were good friends. And in fact, one summer uh, was going through it was when I was serving as a uh, youth pastor one summer and I was 
driving through on my way to scout out a mission trip in Virginia Beach. I ended up staying at their house. Uh, so I met my in-laws, in which they didn't remember me. So, you know, I didn't make much of an impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I did remember, uh, so I knew Taylor had a sister and did remember thinking like, man, I wonder if she's hot. Uh, but I did not meet her. So I didn't meet her that night when I arrived. And then the next morning when I got up, she had already uh, gotten up, had breakfast and left. So I left not knowing whether or not Taylor's sister was hot. Um, fast forward a whole bunch of years, knew of her. Um, my brothers uh, married one of Peyton's best friends growing up. Uh, so I saw her again at my brother's wedding. She was one of the bridesmaids. Um, not the first bridesmaid that I dated, went on a date with, but the second one. So it took me, took me a, a little bit to find the right one. Um, but so we, uh, your way through. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah. I always like to make that joke that I dated, dated two bridesmaids from that wedding. Um, and took a date to that wedding too. So there you go. <laughs> I'm not a player at all. So uh, no, I'm just trying not to play. You just crush a lot. Yeah, yeah not even a little bit. Um, and so uh, that's how, but, but I didn't start dating her then either. Um, right. But I just saw her again then. And then fast forward a few more years. I wasn't seeing anyone. I was coming to the Richmond area. And our mutual friend, our good friend, Andy Barry, he was going to church where Peyton was going to church. And they were involved in, in, a, in like a, a young adult ministry. And so I was coming through and we were going to, you know, we were going to meet for dinner and he was going to bring a girl that he was interested in. And then another girl in their group who I thought was, was super cute, uh, who was not Peyton. Uh, he was going to bring, and so we were going to have this. Are you sure this... this is about how you met your wife? Because you are like all Robin Sherbatsky in this whole thing. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So uh, the girl that that he was going to bring couldn't come. So then Peyton came, and that was when I met her. And I was like, dude, like that night, I was like, man, like she. And this is going to sound so old school, so so nerdy. So this fits me. I was like, she was so classy. Like I've never been, I've never been around someone so like ladylike, which again sounds old, but but it, like it wasn't like that. Like she was just, she was, she was incredible. I just, I just couldn't believe it. So that was the first, like all those times that I almost bumped into her. I didn't even talk to her at my brother's wedding. So that was the first time I ever talked to her. I was crushing a little bit. Um, turns out she wasn't interested at that point. It was still in my chubby days, and so I like to give her a hard time. That I was, I was, she would, she wouldn't date me because I was, I was too chubby. Uh, but fast forward again, and uh, I was in Richmond representing Bluefield College at an event, and I just happened to be sitting at a table with one of Peyton's really good friends, and we were talking. And I knew her through, I knew of that friend through collegiate ministry stuff, and so we were talking about people that we knew in the Richmond area. And Taylor's and Peyton's brother, Taylor, came up. And then Peyton came up. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, I know Peyton, like, I bumped into her a few times. And she was like, if you just live closer, you'd be perfect for Peyton. And so I was like, well, you, you tell her I say hi. 
uh, next time you talk to her, tell her Mark says hi. So I found out later that she texted Peyton that day and said, hey, guess who this is? But I just met the next guy you're going to date and the man you're going to marry. Um, and, and Peyton did guess me. Uh, probably she thought, like, who in the world would be there, like, and try to put dots together. Um, so she did guess me. And so she reached out, like, we both reached out, and, you know, thought it was cool. And she said, hey, next time you're coming through town, let me know. And so next time I was in town, I called her and said, hey, like, I'd love to, love to do dinner. And we did. And then I said, hey, I'd like to take you on a date. She said, okay. And so I took her on a 10-hour date on the, on the ride. I came, I came to Richmond, picked her up in Richmond. Drove all the way to the Peaks of Otter oh to hike gosh. the Peaks of Otter at an early dinner. I drove her all the way back to Richmond. And I, that and that night, I had to go all the way to Charlotte to pick up my new VP, uh, who was going to be at Bluefield. So that was how long of a day that was on the way back. She refers to it as a DTR conversation, which I didn't know what that meant. That means define the relationship. Mm-hmm. So on the drive back, I said, hey, like, because I think you know this about me, like one of my MOs was not to ever, if I was going on dates, I wouldn't have a conversation with the girl about what it was because my thought was like, if we don't define it, I don't have to have a conversation if I need to end it. Like I can just, just which I learned. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned finally, I had a moment of, Inner, inner, you know, inner reflection, and said, "That's that's horrible." Um, so, like, I had figured out, hey, like the next time I'm serious, like I'm gonna have that conversation. So I did. So it's like, hey, I think you're great. Want to know about you? And I want to be really serious about dating you. So, yeah. So that's how it happened. Very was that cool. easy to follow? There was a lot of. Oh no, yeah, there. yeah. Okay. I, I feel like I feel like the the kids at home will get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're gonna do some rapid fire questions if you're up for that. Yeah. All right. Favorite childhood TV show? Waltz. Good one. Uh, if you could have dinner with any historical figure, who would it be and why? Dude, you gotta realize I'm the kid that was checking out autobiographies in second grade. Like I, I was the only, my brother and I were the only kids that ever checked out books in that section of the library in our elementary school. Um, man. So I go a hundred different directions. I'm going to go rapid fire. So I'm going to say Teddy Roosevelt because I love their national park system and he established the first national parks. So mm-hmm. Teddy Roosevelt. That'd be a good one. I think right. uh, beach or mountains mountains morning person or night owl. I know. I don't even know why I asked that question. Uh, (laughs) If you could time travel, would you go to the past or the future? Past. Coffee or tea? Coffee. If you had a superpower for a day, what would it be? Not worry. Not worry. Well, that would be a superpower, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite pizza topping? Probably just pepperoni. 
what's the last song you listened to on repeat? Like you just had to listen to it over and over again. It was that good. I don't know. The only songs I listen to on repeat are the ones in my kids' rooms when they go to bed, which are Veggie Tales and Daniel Tiger. Um, there, I will tell you. So this is this is not answering your question, but I just don't know of anything that I've had on repeat. Uh, I did hear uh, Uncle Crackers swim through your veins like a fish in the sea when I went into where was that going? This was somewhere this weekend. Oh, when I went into McAllister's Deli yesterday and you know that I listened to that song on repeat college a lot um so i'm going to tell you the name of a group that i've enjoyed listening to their music hollow hollow caves so i like hollow caves music yeah. to go with uh if your life had a movie title what would it be The Eagle Rock Kid. The Eagle Rock Kid. I like that. Uh, what's something you've always wanted to learn but haven't had the chance? Play piano. Cats or dogs? I'll take one of each. Okay. Yeah, it's got to be dogs. Peyton hates cats. Well, there you go. Uh, if you could visit any place in the world right now, where would it be? <laughs> Maui. Okay. Uh, favorite app on your phone? <laughs> I will say, because uh, the kids may know this, uh, so when we were at my brother's house on Christmas, my nephew and niece, who are uh, older than my kids, had an app called Bacon, and like it flips bacon on things. Um, so I'm going to show you as soon as it gets up here. So it is not my favorite, uh, but like it's the only app I can think of. So like this is, like if I push the button, it's going to drop the bacon on the frying, plant, the frying pan, and then I'm going to throw it up and try to get it to stick to that blob of ketchup. Okay. I don't even know how to do it. Oh, yeah, let's see if I can do it. All right, is it coming in clear? Yeah. I missed it. So, all right. So you're going to have to go add bacon on your phone now. I'll have to look that one up. Uh, if you could have a conversation with any living person, who would it be? That's going to be deep. And I know that it would not be effective, but I would, I would try to have a conversation. No, I don't even want to go there. Instead, try to have a conversation with Donald Trump to like just try to make him understand what he's doing with his rhetoric. Uh, now, obviously, he has gazillions of people around him. Um, so if yeah, they can't get through to him, they're all sycophants and they just say yes, apparently. Uh, and this isn't anything derogatory towards his politics or anything like that. But there are so many people that just I've never seen in my lifetime. I've not seen. Uh, I don't mean this the way it's going to sound, but an idolization of someone from one group. And so uh, folks can't can't uh, 
I don't feel like they're able to think critically because they stop at his rhetoric. Um, and I would just try to speak some truth into him. So that's, that's all I can come up with right now. That would be a very brave thing for anyone to do. Um, all right. Most adventurous thing you've ever done. Yeah, I've never, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not gone skydiving or anything like that. Um, I, I'm not done this yet, but something that I want to do, and I think it would probably be on that list. So I, I've done a lot of backpacking, uh, but I've never gone by myself. I've got some buddies who have, and I feel like I'd be scared out of my mind to be in the middle of the woods by myself. Um, so I'm going to do that someday. And that will, at that point, be the most adventurous thing I've done. Okay. Uh, do you have a go-to karaoke song? I do. Ghetto Cowboy by Bone Thugs and Harmony. All right. Uh, if you could have any job for a day, what would it be? You know, I'm well. I'm, I have a job that I love, so I can't say that. So there are. I'll give you two because often I will think about jobs that I think would be fun to do for like a month. I think it'd be phenomenal to be a waiter at like a super nice restaurant for a month. Uh, and I also think it would be fun to be a, a truck driver for about a month. So those are two jobs I'd love to do. Basically you get to see the whole country if you're a truck driver. That's right. Oh man. Retired kids are grown, painting up, just riding the, riding the road in an 18 wheeler. Have, uh, have one of those comfortable cabs where you can sleep in the back. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, I thought about that. Um, uh, Matt, what's a skill you wish you had mastered by now? I said play the piano. Uh, was something I wanted to learn how to do and I've done. Um, if you're just saying, that's fine. But Well, yeah. I was going to say, um, I mean, I wanted to dunk a basketball and that my, my time brain for that has since passed. I don't know that I'd say that's a skill. Uh, and I can't get there now because of, you know, muscle loss at our age. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with play the piano. Uh, and lastly, what is the weirdest talent you have? If you can think of one, it's usually a stumper. Yeah. Um, I mean, folks think that I generally know, uh, and I mean, obviously, you are far more intelligent than I am, and know more, you will forget more things than I've ever known. So this sounds odd to say around you, but like I was I'm often known for knowing useless information that no one, no one knows uh, or, ca or cares to know. So it's not like it's something that, that I've somehow figured out. It's just nobody cares to know any of it. Uh, but I was a history nerd, uh, loved it. And so like, I just know all this random stuff about history. Um, so yeah, so that no one stuff that people just don't care about would probably yeah. be my talent. Yeah, I've always described myself as a cesspool of useless knowledge. It's, just, yeah. it's not going to do me any good anywhere unless I get on and Jeopardy or something. And that's why I say, like, it's, it's embarrassing for me to say that around you because, you know, 700,000 more things than I do. Uh, so you put a trivia team together. Yeah. Yeah. You would answer all the stuff. And, you know, there we go. Well, you know, you could chime in on. Yeah. The sports. I, see, yeah. Here's, here's what would happen. Like, I wouldn't know any of the sports like categories and so that's where i would need you to really kick in because i know you've got more sports stats in your little finger than i've got in my entire body 
Well, that's because I had the answer here living with me for a period of time. That's right. Uh, all right, before we wrap up, any exciting plans or projects on the horizon for you? I wouldn't say that the project or plans. Um, Peyton and I are hoping to have a getaway, just the two of us, to Mexico later this year. So that's super exciting for us. Um, there are a few little things that we're hoping to do in the house. Uh, it's going to sound super not cool, but like put in recessed lighting. And like if you're in a house that doesn't have great lighting like we are now, like that would be super cool. Um, yeah, I built, uh, I built forts and tents with my kids at our, uh, our first camp out uh, a couple nice. months ago. So yeah, so hopefully some more forts and tents and things. Always fun building a fort. Mm, true. True. All right. Well, I want to thank Mark once again for his willingness to take the hot seat this week. Um, so, Mark, thank you. Uh, and look forward to having you back on the show later this week. Um, remind our listeners to like, subscribe, hit that bell icon so that you'll be notified whenever we post something new here. Uh, and uh, also, don't forget, Mark will be back for our next episode. We're going to discuss the exciting yet controversial Netflix docu-series American Nightmare. Uh, don't worry, it's not as scary as it sounds, uh, but it is a little creepy. So parental uh, discretion will be advised. Uh, all right, so until next time, have a great whatever it is, wherever you are. <laughs>